Hello, this is Cole Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love of the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about candy corn and giving some fun facts about it. This is Sydney, and my topic today is ghosties and ghoulies, what's what? And this is Randy, and I will be talking about the tricks in trick-or-treating. Fun holiday-filled, much less common now. Yeah, Halloween-filled podcast today so we hope you are enjoying the cooler weather wherever you are fall leaves and fun fall things out and about yep yeah (laughs) we went to pennsylvania yesterday so we had uh, lots of holidays represented because we were going to see my dad and my stepmom and we hadn't seen them since the previous Christmas. So we actually did some Christmas exchange yesterday. So we greeted each other with Merry Christmas when we saw each other for the first time in many, many months. So that was fun to see them and enjoy um, being with them. But we also celebrated their birthdays. One just recently had his birthday. He turned 88. Happy birthday to Poppy. Yeah. And Penny uh, has her birthday coming up. I don't know how old she is and I'm not going to share even if I did. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yes. So we had a fun day with them. And while we were there, Penny loves to decorate for the holidays. She kind of follows right along with us as far as her love for decorating. And she has her house decked out for fall. And she, she's got some Halloween stuff mixed in there, too. Well, she said she hasn't put out her Halloween things. So she doesn't, she's like me, she doesn't qualify it as Halloween things mm-hmm. yet. She has a whole other set of Halloween stuff she will put out. Yeah, it seems like a funny trend that more people are saying that uh, jack-o'-lanterns don't count as Halloween things. Yeah, well, you know. Well, she had her jack-o'-lanterns turned around, so they were just pumpkins. Oh, okay. So she put in the effort that some other people did not. Right, but some other people are like, there are so many. but no, I do not. Some other people just try try to justify it. (laughs) That's right and too bad. The other fun thing on the way was we saw our first signs of leaves changing color for the year. Yes. On the drive up, we drive up uh, to Pennsylvania and go along the turnpike. And on the turnpike, I don't know what kind of plants they are, but there were some plants that were a vibrant orange and red already, and yellow already. So it was really, really pretty. And then in the, the larger forest that we drive by, you could see this just the start of the colors switching from this deep green of summer to the fall um, you know, pretty color. So it was fun. Yeah. It wasn't a lot yet, but it was beautiful to see and it was fun and it was encouraging to know <laughs> that it's coming. Hopeful. And, and yes, it wasn't fall temperatures yesterday. It was still in the eighties, but it was fall <laughs> decor and fall leaves. So that was very fun. That's right. And we got greeted by Noelle, Sydney's puppy dog this morning with a little jack-o'-lantern costume on her back. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't seem to mind it. She didn't, which is uh, very Unusual. encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, a lot of fun things as we move in. in we're recording this in mid-September, so as we move into the, the true fall season. This week, actually, this upcoming week, is the autumnal equinox so the first day of fall is this week wow officially fall that's fun yep and today is talk like a pirate day when we're recording this on september 19th so the rest of the podcast 
Well, I was assuming we were already talking like that. <laughs> I'm not talking like a pirate. Just yet. You 20, haven't seen 20, any ergs. 21st century uh, sophisticated oh. pirate. <laughs> gotcha. oh, okay, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Internet pirate. We're pirating. Uh, oh, that's not allowed. <laughs> no, that's not allowed. That's, that's, right. Right. that's right. Not the cool. pirates of the Caribbean are fun. Yes. The ride. <laughs> Probably not the actual Jack pirates. Sparrow. Exactly. Yeah, and then I've got a lot of planning for my move coming up. True. So tomorrow I'm driving down to Florida to meet with a realtor down there and do some self-tours of some houses. We're hoping to sign, put in an application while I'm down there. This is where? This is in Florida. In Tampa area? Yeah, in Tampa area. (laughs) Yeah, so there's different aspects to the move. I mean, there's a lot that goes on with moving a distance from Virginia to... Florida. I mean, you guys moved from Pennsylvania to Houston, so yep. you and then know from that Houston process. To Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, getting like the moving truck, and you know, there's always different aspects of a move that will stress out like different people yeah. in the planning process. So for for Kelia, my girlfriend, setting up the houses, the tours, and everything like that. Is not stressful, and for me that is. So that's good that because she's there to it's help just her. a lot of question marks. I like to because she was talking about how when I go down, the realtor will show me the houses, and I was like, I want to have houses on my schedule before I go down because I'm driving all the way down, and right. she was like, it's prop because of how quick the market is down there. That's probably not how that's gonna work because we are planners. Yeah. By nature, so I'm like, I want to make sure I'm getting my time's worth out of it. But I told her if she'll handle that aspect of it and have things set up ready for me to go when I'm down there, I'll handle other aspects of it. We were talking about the moving truck last night, and that was stressing her out because she could not understand, or she had trouble wrapping her head around. Like, I was describing, I was measuring our furniture and describing how we would need to kind of Tetris everything in to maximize space. Because if we needed to go up a truck size, that could be like an extra $700. Right. And she kept saying, Cole, we're probably going to need to go up. And I was like, no, we just need to to do it. You know, I got on a piece of paper and I was like, we just need to do it this way. You know, try to stack things horizontally so you're maximizing what you can slide in, essentially, Mm -hmm. not like blocking off mm-hmm. space. Like turn your tables upside down and slide in so you can put things on Right, the remove the legs, slide in what you can. Mm-hmm. That way you're maximizing all of that mm-hmm. space. Because if you, you know, she kept trying to be like, well, no, we need to stack things like vertically. Well, I'm like, well, now all that space is gone. So, you know, I was describing, I was measuring everything out, describing it for her. And um, it's hard to visualize it's hard for me to visualize stuff like that. She was That's having really... I even measured out a span of area, which was like the dimensions of the truck with uh, oh, measuring idea. tape. And she was like, she was still having trouble... Yeah, kind of imagining it. Imagining yeah. it. Yeah. 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 That's good that you can each take your strengths and your... Mm-hmm. Which areas you're at ease with and focus on that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps that we have um, people coming down to help us. Um, you said that if you can, mm-hmm. you would come down, which is awesome. You could bring an extra car. Having extra vehicles, only making one trip right. is like a big deal, especially right. moving all the way down to Florida. So that whole process, I'm going to be gone for the entire 
week. Uh, so that whole process is stressful and, you know, ending the current lease in your house and dealing with all that stuff too. Yeah, shutting off utilities, turning on the new utilities, yeah, all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of details. Yeah, especially if you have like a landlord or company that you're working with, which doesn't necessarily have your best interests in right. mind. They're gonna try to suck as much money out of you as they can. Right. Not all management services are good are ones. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, that may not be the case. It's been when we have just been living there, not moving out. So I'm assuming that the moving out process is going to be yeah similar. Um, but this is the kind of exciting, but mostly not like exciting part of the move. All the logistics. Yeah. But it is exciting that it is happening. The wheels are turning. It'll be exciting when we have an application in and it gets accepted because then we'll leave. That'll be our house for the next year. Yeah. And then you can, yeah. You can exactly. Start, yeah. Do, once it's yours, you can do stuff with it. So if you happen to be driving yeah. down there, you can put, take stuff down. <laughs> you know, if you happen to be driving. <laughs> if if I happen to be driving. Yeah, I'm just saying. Unrelated reason. Yeah, just whatever. I just <laughs> happen to be. I'm like, I'm you know gonna, what? Yeah, I'm going to go to Tampa today. Yeah, I, I was I'll like. I'll just take a truck full of stuff down. You know what? I like the zoo. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we could go to the zoo, zoos in D.C. It's like, no, I like the Tampa Zoo better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I gotta go to that one. That's right. Um, yep, so once I get a house, I will be able to deck it out for Halloween. Hopefully, mid-October is when we're moving down, so I'll have a little time to, to get my Halloween fix in Yep. for that. That's right. Um, this year may have to be a little cheap because moving is expensive, so I may be going to a Michael's and just buying a ton of... Of spiderweb <laughs> and putting spiderweb super cheap, super easy. Place super right. cheap, super easy to put places. Yeah. Also, super spooky. Not That's really right. True. I always uh, shoot for maximum spookiness. <laughs> Speaking of maximum spookiness. Speaking of maximum spook. What? What? Speaking of maximum scoopiness. <laughs> hey, maximum scoopy, you can scoop the candy corn. Scoopiness, yeah, yeah, that actually ties in pretty well. Candy corn. Yeah, yeah, candy? I love Scoopy Doo. Yeah, trying to just <laughs> scoopiness. It was actually on TV the other day. You know, I watched it. Scooby Doo. Yeah. You and Noel watched some fun things. Yeah. <laughs> How, she's just laying in your arm right now. She's just being a good girl. How do you get hanging her to do out that? With Mama. I assume you mean Noel. Yeah. Since the listener can't see who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so um. candy corn is one of those things that is a Halloween icon. Halloween symbol. It's mm. just, it's one of those. It's iconic. It yeah. is. It is. And so I was looking up some different Halloween candy things, and candy corn just rose to the top. Other than chocolate, after chocolate, candy corn is the next most common Halloween candy. I always really like the, uh, not just the candy corn, but the candy corns that are little jack o' lanterns. Yes, there are different kinds. Yes, are super fun. I never really liked chocolate ones, but the little pumpkin ones are super... I always think of those, too, when I think of, of candy corn. Halloween time. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And the candy corn that I'm going to be talking about today is the classic candy corn that used to be called chicken feed initially, believe it or not. That was the first name of it. Appealing. I know. On USA Today... I found some interesting fun facts that I thought I would share. Candy corn was invented in the 1880s by George 
Renninger, an employee of the Wonder, I'm thinking it's Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia. It could be Wonderl, but I don't, that doesn't sound as good. So I'm going to call it Wonderly Candy Company. Sounds wonderful that way. Thank yeah. you. I keep tripping over my words. Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia. The Golitz Confectionery Company, now called Jelly Belly Candy, yeah. started making candy corn at the turn of the century. And I think it was like 18, well, it says it, 1880s. The longest run by an existing manufacturer. Because it's now called something different, it, it just changed hands. Because it's now called something different, it's still the same company that's making it. When Golitz first produced candy corn, as I said a minute ago, it was called Chicken Feed. The boxes were illustrated with a rooster logo and copy that read, Something Worth Crowing For. <laughs> that just makes me laugh. In 1950, the price of candy corn was about 25 cents per pound. Today, Jelly Belly sells it for $8.99 a pound, which makes sense. That was 1950. This is 2021. Come on, right? <laughs> it, has to, it has to increase in price. About 9 billion kernels of candy corn. More than 35 million pounds are sold annually, according to the National Confectioners Association. And I think they're reliable. So there you go. There's some stats. In one eight-hour shift, Jelly Belly makes 28,000 pounds of candy corn. Wow. I know, isn't that crazy? One kernel of candy corn is about five calories. So, you know, not a lot of calories. A lot of sugar. But not a lot of calories. This used to be a specifically fall Halloween kind of candy, but it has become something much more. They then branched out, because it's such a popular treat, they branched out to other holidays. Mm -hmm. So Jelly Belly now also makes Cupid corn for Valentine's Day, which is pink, mm -hmm. red, and white. Reindeer corn for Christmas, which is green, white, and red. Bunny corn for springtime with various pastel colors. And Brock's makes Indian corn for Thanksgiving, brown, orange, and white, and an autumn mix candy corn. Hmm. I think I've seen some of them. Yeah. After chocolate, as I was saying earlier, chocolate is actually a huge percentage of Halloween candy. Not, not chocolate candy corn, but the, all the Just different types chocolate, of chocolate. Yes. Yeah. It's 68% of the Halloween yeah. stash that people wow. purchase yeah. and consume. Candy corn is the next favorite Halloween treat at 10%. October 30th is National Candy Corn Day. So candy corn has a day of its own. Interestingly, I was looking at pictures. Randy and I were talking about the order of the colors, the white, orange, yellow colors. Mm. And like me, when we were talking about it, he thought it was white, yellow, orange. And it's not. It's white, orange. white, little tippy, orange, big middle, and then a smaller yellow at the end. And if you had, like, a big tube that you were putting these into, like a styrofoam tube or something that you were putting them into, you could make it look, it looks like an ear of corn. So if you put the white, the tips yep, in. in, in right. rows, in rows, around, like, a little styrofoam cylinder or whatever oh, it is. Oh, interesting. You can make it look like an ear of corn. 
Yeah. The yellow, the So the orange. yellow's sticking out. So the yellow's the, the only one like sticking the, out. The outer part. Yeah. Yeah, so the yeah. I'm thinking of it like upside down, right? With the yellow. Well, she's saying if you put it into a into a cylinder so that you're trying to shape it like a piece of corn. Like a corn of the corn. Right. So white, it's a yellow white, base. Yeah, the white tips go into the into the cylinder yes. and the yellow sticks out. Yes. Yeah, so you okay. can make it look like, yeah. Like so I saw corn. pictures of it and I'm like, oh, look at that, clever people. It looks like an ear of corn. And it would be a yummy one to eat. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of, a lot of sugar there, but, yeah. but so, they are very some people sweet. might disagree with you on that. But true, yeah, that's true. That's a different topic. Exactly. And as we recall from a previous podcast, a single ear of corn has about eight hundred kernels in it, so that would be eight hundred pieces of candy corn. That's so funny. <laughs> if you made it to to, to yeah, scale, if you did yeah. the whole eight hundred. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would not suggest that. And that's four thousand calories. Of candy corn? Yeah, if you Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for looking that up. Sure. At Taste of Home has a couple more interesting fun facts that I thought I'd throw in there. We'll throw in. I am going to do that. <laughs> do it. Today, commercial machines form each kernel, but back in the 1880s, the original candies were mixed and formed by hand. Workers <clears throat> would cook up the mixture in a large kettle and pour the mixture into kernel-shaped trays. To create the striped effect of the candy corn, the batter is actually poured in three phases. First, they do the white at the top, followed by the yellow at the bottom, and then the orange, which is the biggest section. Mm -hmm. Then they finish the candies with confectioner's glaze to give each candy its characteristic shine. So that's a lot of interesting fun facts about candy corn. And there are some controversies about this delicious treat that I will do the next time I'm doing a podcast. So the next time I'm doing a topic, I will talk about the candy corn controversy. Yeah, the this treat aspect to trick or treat. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And speaking of tricks, the other day I was thinking, you know... I think we all have like a general sense of certain definitions of like ghosts and ghouls and such, but there were there are so many different names mm-hmm. for creatures that are like spirits and phantoms. Yep. It's such a like ghosts and ghouls is such an easy universal idea. And we kinda use them interchangeably, even though they weren't intended to be interchangeable. That's what right. got my attention. Right. And, you know, I think back to my childhood and reading Harry Potter and things like that. So it's like, okay, so there is a definition for each one, but I wondered what it was. So um, here are some definitions for various spirits. So real quick, in your, like, minds, like in my mind when I was a kid, I did have, like, I don't know if it's correct, but like a difference between ghosts and ghouls, and that's that ghouls were always kind of malevolent in my okay. in my mind when I was a kid. I was like, ghouls are always kind of mean spirited, whereas ghosts could be either way. So I'll be interested to see. Yeah, what the, and for me, yeah. I think of poltergeists that way. That poltergeists mm-hmm. are always mean spirited. Mm-hmm. Ghosts could be either ambivalent; yeah, they don't care whether you're there or not, or they could be mean spirited. Like, they could have the range. So that's my 
Um, and it's funny because you, you said phantom. I didn't even think of the word phantom, right? That's another one. So it's just, yeah, there's like a like lot of Like of the these, opera. Right, exactly. A lot of these. So what, did you have like a growing up feeling of so which was just like a ghost, you know, could care less about you versus something that was intent on badness? Like harming you? Yeah. Well, ghosts, it, for me, it's not just ambivalent because I grew up with Casper the Friendly Ghost. So you grew ghost. up with Casper. What? I'm so what? lucky. That's I'm crazy. Lucky in the world. Don't tell anybody. Well, that, is that who you picked up all your annoying habits from? Casper, do you hear that? <laughs> Casper's not happy. Oh, okay. So maybe she didn't grow up with the actual <laughs> Casper. So growing up watching Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah, ghosts could be anything from friendly to ambivalent to not that. Yeah. I'm like cold ghouls were more negative. I don't know exactly how, but I never thought it had a more negative, was friendly or right. ambivalent. It was more of a scary kind of thought. And it's funny that you mentioned growing up with Casper and you mentioned Poltergeist because when I was younger, I watched the movie Poltergeist. Why would you do and that? And that definitely uh, mm-hmm. influenced my opinion of <laughs> yes, yes. Poltergeist, <laughs> yes, that's at right. least, and Inanimate Clown Dolls. True. Yes, we will not be talking about Inanimate. Clown dolls, yeah. Yes. But according to dictionary.com, ghosts are considered to be the souls of the dead. They are imagined as disembodied spirits, are often visualized as vague forms, hence the white sheet routine. It's also considered something short-lived, brief, or vanishing, to name a few synonyms. The word ghost developed from the Old English Ghast, which means soul, spirit, life, breath. Oh, and a red blood cell having no hemoglobin is also called a ghost. Boo. Oh, interesting. But a ghoul is considered far more malevolent and may have inspired a horror film or two. Yes, indeed. Okay. So it is considered sinister, hellish, and in the Arabic legend, a ghoul is a creature that eats. Listen to this. Both stolen corpses and children. Oh. It can eat. Interesting. Yeah. Funny that in a lot of cultures, monsters really like children. They do. Yeah. Easy prey. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Separate you, them from the herd, you're good. Right. You'd think that like eating a like a full-grown person would be more satisfying, though. But they're, they're not longer. as strong. Children aren't as strong. Go after the weak. It's, I guess so. Yeah. You do have to collect more of them, though. I mean, to the listener, like... Uh, like we know the the point. The point is that uh, children are innocent, and these stories are to uh, you know help keep them help innocent. keep <laughs> help keep them from getting themselves in danger That's and everything right, yeah. like that. But I do think like logistically, it's funny. You could get a lot more of a meal out of hmm. a bigger person. True. Yeah. So um, a poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. Most claims about or fictional descriptions of poltergeists show them as capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. Yuck. Rude. Rude, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) So ghost is like an apparition. Doesn't do, you know, it comes and goes. Mm. A ghoul is more malevolent and can eat, but it doesn't really talk about moving objects and stuff. Okay. And a poltergeist is the actual 
much more interactive yeah. spirit yeah. in a malevolent way. Right, that's a good way but to put it. It's funny because um, a lot of poltergeists, particularly in popular media, particularly after the movie Poltergeist came out, influenced that heavily influenced what people's definition of poltergeist was, which was very malevolent, out to get you, out, out to you know harm you seriously. This poltergeist definition just kind of sounds rude. <laughs> He's like tripping you and like yeah, pinch, could be biting nice. and pinching you, pinching, <laughs> pinching, you. pinching clawing. Right, but so. like if you were biting and pinching me, I would be like, I just don't want to come here anymore. That's really disrespectful. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, oh, he's out to like seriously really harm me. Yeah. yeah. So a phantom Ooh. is an apparition or specter, an appearance or illusion without material substance, as a dream image, a mirage, or optical illusion. Um, a person or th- and this is from a lot of this is from dictionary.com. Mm-hmm. So it, an illusion part of which is given a transparent effect so as to permit representation of details otherwise hidden from view as the inner workings of a mechanical device. A person or thing of merely illusionary power status efficiency. So it's so that's more all like phantom? Yeah, yeah, so phantom I almost see it seems to me isn't necessarily like a separate character, but more like a definition of like a spirit or right. ghost. Because you, like, you hear phantom used as an adjective a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of a state. Like, well, yeah, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like, people in, you know, the one who created Phantom of the Opera thought differently. Right. So. Well, I mean, in that case, phantom's being used more as a, an adjective as, you know, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be kind of is he real is he not right obviously he yeah right so that also made me remember a story that cole and i read or listened to when we were younger called the bogart mm, that's so, true i didn't remember that yeah so i don't a, remember it well i just remember the name so a bogart is a creature in english folklore either a household spirit or or a malevolent Genius inhabiting fields, marshes, or other topographical features. Mm-hmm. So, I remember in the Bogart, the book, it was like an English or Scottish book, and the Bogart was more of like a mischievous creature. Didn't necessarily have like a, a physical feature, but it was much more mischievous. And as time went on, they were hoping that it wouldn't turn into poltergeist something malevolent. So it was very interesting that this particular folklore or book uh, took the two things and kind of combined them together in the sense that, you know, a good good spirit or bogart is mischievous, but, you know, which, so yeah. good. And which could be a turn. pattern in media. Yeah. Ghosts transitioning into something more malevolent if... I don't know if they're vengeful spirits or if they're provoked or, mm. you know, something along those lines. Because obviously, these things are, they're royalty-free ideas. Anyone can can take them and make them their own. Yeah, yeah. A spirit is a supernatural being or essence, such as the Holy Spirit, a soul, a being that is bodiless but, but can become visible, or like a ghost. Or a malevolent being that enters and possesses a human being. 
And finally, a demon. Ooh, now that's bad. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Demons are an evil spirit or devil, especially one thought to possess a person or act as a tormentor in hell. Very malevolent. So, that's so, what a spirit is. Yeah, and I think Demons. when you look through those different options, those different um, definitions, definitions yeah. some of them are like the souls of humans that have died and then they, they haven't moved on. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actually their own beings like right. a demon would be its own entity mm-hmm. right that right it wasn't a first human that became a demon mm-hmm. at least well, most of the time and something else that's i think maybe more popular a more popular trend now um is separating demons from devils yeah like mm-hmm. calling devils their own yeah. thing exclusively attached to being like directly from hell, whereas a demon is something more, I guess, attached to earth, like it does, yeah. it takes different shapes and right. everything like that. Whereas, That's true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's no, like, uh, authoritative source. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that, that it, you know, they're all kind of ambiguous, which lets media and lets storytellers, like authors and things, kind of create their own usage mm-hmm. of whatever term they want to use. Which is, makes this a really unique sort of quote unquote monster. Yeah. Because like and like you guys said, like and it, and it differs from culture to culture, right? And yes. like for instance with the ghoul I mentioned in the Arabic culture, you know, the eating yep. dead corpses and children. That's quite different than yeah. Yeah. how I thought of ghouls. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I think um, as I start to talk about trick or treating, the tricks in trick or treating, mm-hmm. um, I actually have a little mini series where I'm today I'm gonna to talk about the tricks in trick-or-treating next week the treats in trick-or-treating and then the week after that i want to talk a little bit about trick-or-treating across the world because what i realized was so many countries do trick-or-treating but they do it differently and kind of their their um connection to it comes from a different place so it's not kind of the same way where culturally ghosts and ghouls and things like that can mean different things Mm -hmm. right to different cultures so can trick-or-treating so that was kind of interesting yeah well and that's the, the interesting aspect of it is that they all have a different name, but we all classify it as, like in Japan, they have they have Oni, and we say, well, that's a demon. Mm-hmm. And in, like in Arabic mythology, they have uh, Shaitan, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's where we get the word Satan from, but that means, we're like, okay, that also means demon. So I'm sure it's similar with Trick or Treat, where it's just kind of a different name, but we attribute it because it has similar qualities. Right, right. So I probably should have switched the order of this, but I hadn't really prepared for starting out with trick-or-treat, the overall topic. So we'll, we'll stick with the tricks today, but eventually I do want to get to the the other ways people celebrate trick-or-treats because it's pretty interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. So today, though, we're going to focus on trick-or-treating in North America and how um, tricks came to be and kind of what they are today even. So when you think of the idea of the trick part of trick-or-treating and we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the great pumpkin charlie brown cartoon special because they talk about tricks or treating right so what are the tricks part of trick-or-treating two big ones come to mind tping toilet papering people throwing toilet Mm -hmm. paper rolls over people's houses trees everything like that which is destruction of property so i'll (laughs) encourage uh and then egging Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. and that's throwing eggs at people's Doors, cars, you know, yeah. whatever that. Non cooked eggs. Non cooked eggs. Yeah. So they they splatter. Yep. So it's almost like a 
it's cute, but when you really think about it, it's almost like a threat from exactly. a trick-or-treater. Yes, right? It's like, give us implied something threat. or we will have destruction of your exactly. property. Are those yeah. the, like, the two big ones that you guys think Well, we'll talk about that more. I just want to kind of see where... I, we'll talk about that a little bit later, other options, but just off the top of your head. The tricks? Yeah, the tricks part. The uh, the other part of the tricks, the other one that I was thinking about was the tic-tacking, which is throwing corn. Yes. So this is you shuck corn off of like regular cow corn, so not like edible, not that people edible corn. Right. And so you have these loose kernels of corn. Of dry corn. Of dry corn. And then you throw them against windows and they make that tic-tac sound. Yeah. Scattery kind of sound. Now that's also, those are hard little things, so that can scratch glass. They're, um... Actually, they don't. Well, my experience is they don't scratch the glass. They they have a little bit of give to them, so they're you know they have water in them, so they don't. They're not completely dry. Yeah, they're not completely dry. Your experience, like your house got ticked or you did it. Yeah, whatever. So, um, <laughs> so trick or treating in the North Amer in North America. So the process of trick or treating, right, is that coming up to Halloween, a, a house decides are we going to participate in trick-or-treating or not right so in the united states and i think it sounded like canada was pretty similar you can choose to not participate in halloween right so what are the ways that you show random trick-or-treaters that you're not going to participate easiest lights off in the house lights off in the house lights off on the front porch right yeah light front porch off and no decorations yes right at least externally that we no can external see. decorations right so in the united states if you do that it's a general, uh, generally accepted practice that then you don't go to that house and expect somebody to answer with candy, right? Yeah. A, a trick or treat. It's also expected that you're not going to do something to them because they've already told you, mm. "I'm not participating," right? So don't don't get mad at me for not participating. Right. No, that doesn't always work or not, but and but please, that's the idea. Please don't go up and keep ringing our doorbell if right. all the lights are off. Now another way people kind of passively participate in tricks or treating. Uh, or trick-or-treating, depending on how you call it, is they just put candy on their front porch with yes. a little sign that says... Please no, take one. Yeah, please take one. Yeah. Don't ring the doorbell. You know, whatever it may be that, you know, we just don't want to interact with, with all the people. Yeah, but they don't put that on the sign. <laughs> it's, they might. It's implied. We just don't want to know. It, no, it's more like, here, you know, we'd like to support the, the season and the holiday. Yeah. And we've talked about it before. The best way to do that is to put up a mirror... So they can see themselves. So there was a psychological experiment years ago done where um, they noticed that if they put a mirror behind the candy dish so that the kids can see themselves, they are less likely to grab as much candy as they would be without the mirror because they would see themselves taking the candy. So there's an accountability factor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's there's ways to do it if you care about kids right. taking reasonable amounts of candy right now trick-or-treating and the whole concept of putting on a costume and going to somebody's door and asking for something actually dates back to the celtic time frame um, and it was often related to the poor asking for for food and if you didn't give them something then the spirits would kind of take it out on you and something bad would happen to you right so that's kind of the idea of the trick part of trick-or-treating that came to us through uh a lot of Scotland, Europe, and those kind of places, Ireland. right, along the way. And that dates back all the way to the 16th century, a long time ago for those parts of the world. For the United States, you know, as the as we've seen so many times with traditions, immigrants come in, they kind of mix the, the different um, things together, 
And so in the early 1900s, around 1911, we actually have documentation of people going from door to door in North America, and this was in Canada specifically, and it came to the United States in the 1920s, uh, people going door to door and doing the same thing, trick-or-treating, asking for something, and then if somebody didn't give them something, doing some kind of trick along the way. Now, it's interesting over the years, trick-or-treating kind of took on, the trick part actually took on a little bit of a different flavor for some areas of the country where they expected you to do a trick in order to get the treat. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah so kids would actually, and they still do in some parts of the world, perform something, like a card <laughs> trick or a song. Or, you know, something little. Okay, that makes, tri- that makes trick-or-treating such a long endeavor. It does. Oh, wait, and, wait. you know, for oh, some the kids... better, though? I, I don't know. <laughs> but for kids, they may choose to say, eh, I don't want to do the... the not worth it. Yeah, it's, I'm not your uh, show pony. I'm not going to do tri- <laughs> tricks for you in order to get something along the way. But it, that it actually is still very popular uh, that that happens. So the idea of tricks and those being part of, of Halloween came from Scotland and that kind of area. So now, that would be tricks and trees. Right? Yeah, in that case, it's, tricks yeah, or trees. that's right. You get both in that case, right? <laughs> so the earliest known use in print form of the term trick or treat appears in 1927 from a, um, a little town in Blackie, Alberta, Canada. It says Halloween, and it's funny because Halloween used to be spelled with an apostrophe between the two E's. Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No road damage was done except to the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, barrels, etc., much of which decorated the front street. The youthful tormentors were at the back door front demanding edible plunder by the words trick-or-treat, to which the inmates, meaning the people inside the house, gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so funny. So I have a, a little thing. So a lot of older published newspapers and, and different things like that talk about the pranks that occur around uh, Halloween. And uh, one of them talks about any, it says, any doofus can be destructive, but a really good prank will sometimes be annoying to the pranky, but it's basically harmless. So one of the most popular Halloween pranks in the 19th century West Texas areas was stealing gates. So these would be the wooden gates. That's so funny because that doesn't sound like a prank to me. <laughs> of course, the gates weren't really stolen. They could be found the next morning stacked on the lawn at the courthouse. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> annoying. Another popular prank was to take apart a wagon and reassemble it on top of a building. If the wagon belonged to a snooty person without a sense of humor, so much the better. Oh my goodness. Another uh, popular prank. Some pranksters would hoist a rocking chair on top of a barn or run a pair of underwear up the flagpole. Occasionally, someone found a mule in the basement. And then there was the outhouse. Sometimes boys would just move it a few feet to one side, but at other times, through great effort, the outhouse was relocated to the courthouse lawn or the mayor's front yard. Think of it as a political statement. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, the 20th century, so that was like the 19th century, like the 1870s-ish. Mm-hmm. In the 20th century, young people could soap car windows. Okay, I have heard of that. String toilet paper in the trees. Mm-hmm. So this was in the 1900s. They would grease doorknobs. Now, later on, if you parked your little car, like your Volkswagen Beetle, on their street, you might have found that it was been picked up and placed on the sidewalk. So rearranging signs was another favorite Halloween prank. Like a no loitering sign might appear on the front lawn of a funeral home. (laughs) Or a closed until further notice sign in front of a school. One West Texas 
town woke up on November 1st to find a sign in front of its bank announcing a going out of business sale. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so you can see there's th- it's that level of prank, right, that we're talking about. Not something that's actually destructive. So Okay, well, that, <laughs> what? those are, you're, like, you can't just pick up signs and relocate them. <laughs> well, well, you could then. But that's a lot of work. That's a, well, and so common pranks today um, include election year pranks. So you pick up people's political signs in their front yard and you mix them up. Oh, that's As to which signs in front of which signs. So we mentioned grab a bar of soap and get writing. So, uh, and that was popular when I was a kid, yeah, right? Where you that. soap a house, meaning that you take a bar of soap and you, on the outside windows, you can just scrape the soap on it. Yeah, you can write something or you can just make a big mess of right. soap there. And of course it comes off of water, so you right. can pressure wash it off. Pitching raw eggs at houses is still popular. It's toilet paper in people's houses. Now, as a kid, I participated in, I never soaked anybody's house, but I did toilet paper house. So you get these, a roll of toilet paper and then you throw the toilet paper over any trees that you feel like you can yeah. get it up over. Which is funny up. that you never soaked, but you did TP because toilet paper in someone's house is way more annoying and disruptive. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, they all kind of melt. The toilet paper eventually melts away. I mean, you clean yeah. it up, but it also just kind of goes away. It disintegrates. Right, it disintegrates over time because it's so, um, especially after a heavy rain. Um, some other ideas are, one of the ones I, I thought was kind of scary, probably too scary for little kids is that, but I recall this growing up and older, is somebody who's dressed up like a scarecrow or like a ghost on the yeah. front porch. It looks like it's a fake one, mm-hmm. but then it kind of it jumps out and startles somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, switching the um, um, doormats of people's houses. Like, so the. Uh, it's interesting because I've heard. So this one has different, I guess, whether it's a good trick or a bad trick. But if someone doesn't give you a treat, smashing their pumpkins yes i've seen that, that oh, as a, but a destructive one right? that's a destructive one but also i think scary movies in particular have made it so that it seems like it's very bad luck to smash pumpkins yeah well, so good. it's kind of you know there's both aspects to right that. right and you can see there's definitely uh options for non-destructive pranks right yeah. uh, out there and you don't have to do destructive pranks at all yeah, or and you I could think, not do any pranks. <laughs> that too. But I feel like just like in recent years with COVID, that toilet paper has become such a precious commodity, know, right? That yes. maybe Nobody's, TPing is not that's right. happening within the last couple of years. Maybe there's a way to do virtual pranks now where you can do like virtual TPing or virtual moving yeah, election TP. things around. Yeah, <laughs> consider yourself TP'd. Oh, rats. Those Sweet, I get free toilet paper. <laughs> cyber pirates. That's right. I'm going to collect it. That's right. Uh, virtual pranks. Maybe like changing someone's uh, like face or filter during an important meeting. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. So uh, so I think tricks have reduced over the years. I, I, certainly, the United States has tried to encourage less tricks because they are anno- at least annoying, if nothing else, right? That yeah. you've got to go find your ele- the correct election posters or you got to clean off your windows or, you know, whatever it may be. It's still an annoying process for older people that may not appreciate the, the pranks. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, you know, that people put political signs on their front lawn or whatever. It's an indicator of how they feel and, uh, you know, 
clearly they feel strongly enough to put it out there, it's going to be super annoying if the opposite one person yes, is in your front lawn. It's suddenly in their front lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so I thought it was interesting that, yes, pranks still happen today. Uh, when I was a kid, it was soaping a little bit. It was definitely tic-tacking. That was the one we did a lot of because it was really not destructive to the property. Um, it was loud and annoying when you threw the tic But we did it during, like, not when people would be asleep. asleep yeah, right? yeah. Um, some people got mad, though. Some people, <laughs> yeah, some people, you know, just thought it was funny or they tried to catch us, you know, they run after us kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so uh, interesting, I thought, as far as the pranking goes in the United States. When yeah. they tried to catch you, did you do the classic kid technique of scattering? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there usually would be quite a few of us, like maybe 10 yeah. of us out. So, you know, so they, yeah, 10 directions. So they have to choose some kind yes. of, you know, choose yes. one to, try to choose the slowest one to yeah. chase. And the classic was you never told on each other if you got caught, too. Right, so, yeah. so you only caught one person. Yeah, you only caught one person. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was pretty fast, so I never worried about being the slowest one. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it was dark when we did it, and we all always wore dark clothing, right? So you yeah. kind of dressed... The part, you know, if you're experienced at these sorts of things. So, <laughs> yes. I do not encourage anyone to do the pranking, the trick part. I don't think in today's climate, yeah. today's world, that it would be treated as uh, leniently as it was when we right. were Right. It was not like harmless kids in the neighborhood. Right. You know, we're just pranking. Now it's, yeah, it's a lot less accepted. Exactly. Yeah. Next week, we'll talk about the treats in trick-or-treating. I was going to say, plus, everybody's giving out treats. Right, so. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't need the tricks. Right, yeah. And it's more accepted that we know in the in this day and age that some people don't want to participate in Halloween, exactly. right? So yep. when we were kids, that wasn't always clear. Right, and in respecting people's choices right. in this day and age, it's also that aspect is More important. common, yeah. Yeah. More common today. So, very fun Halloween time of year. We hope you're enjoying your planning and getting ready for Halloween. Our future festivities are for the week of October 4th. October 4th is National Taco Day. October 5th, National Do Something Nice Day. October 6th, one of my favorite days, National Pumpkin Seed Day. October 7th, National Frappe Day. October 8th, National Pierogi Day. October 9th, Curious Events Day, and October 10th, National Cake Decorating Day. As always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, all one word. On Facebook, we have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. You can find us by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. And we have an email. You can email us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Cole, Beth, Sydney, and Randy, Happy trick or treat! Thank you.